0: Hello everybody, welcome. Once again as we continue on in our study through the Bible, we're working through it a chapter at a time together. We are a little over eight years in and uh, we've done the entire New Testament and we're plugging along with the Old Testament and we did uh, all of uh, Genesis and then we did the Exodus and now we're in Leviticus. Today we're going to be in chapter 8. Leviticus Remember, you know, as I even started to go through Leviticus, I was kind of hoping to do like one week on it and press on because it's um, it's the stuff for the Levitical priesthood which has been superseded by Christ. However, uh, when I started looking into it in the New Testament, Leviticus is quoted over a little over a hundred times. So it's obviously applicable to today. And, and so when you read it, you, you want to sort of dig out of it what applies to your life today and what we can take from it. And that's what we've been doing as we've been uh, pressing through it. Now, uh, we're going to look at chapter 8 today. Uh, chapter 8, 9, and 10 are sort of a, a block um, of uh, ideas where, where we're moving now from um, how to perform the sacrifices, which what we've been talking about for the last several weeks and how they all point to Jesus, to uh, a time of when they're going to ordain the priests to perform the sacrifices. So, so this is getting the priest ready to do the ministry of the priesthood, and God had chosen Aaron and his sons to be mediators between Him and the people. And so we're, you know, we're we're looking at the fact that the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, was set up to be a mediator between God and people. We know that now Christ is our mediator, and so we have direct access to God because of that. So things have changed, but you can see the foundation being laid in this. And um, these instructions for establishing the priesthood among His people um, were in effect prepared them for the coming of His Son as the ultimate high priest. That's what's taking place. And so as I said he's the only mediator necessary now between God and people. We come to God in Christ. And uh, most of you have understood what that means and what that looks like. Now as we read this chapter what we're gonna see is that God chooses Who's he? He's who He will have minister on His behalf. And they need to respond to His process of preparation for His work. And here's the big deal, and we read this when we were doing our New Testament study, and actually we just did a whole sermon series on it not that long ago. First Peter 2.9, I want you to see who He's called now to do the work of the priesthood. You, that's you, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. And so now in Christ, there's, there's a lot of things that are happening, and, and you in fact are called to be ministers in, in this whole process. All of us are. You are part of a royal priesthood. Things changed in Christ. in in this period of time there was this Levitical priesthood that was set apart to do these things but now Christ has uh, superseded that. He's the ultimate high priest and He has called us along with Him into this ministry. So uh, I want you as we read through Leviticus 8 to see how these things apply to each of us who have been now called as part of this royal priesthood to declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. That's a calling that's on all of us. We're all called to be that. So uh, look for that because that's part of this deal. Now that doesn't mean that everybody's a pastor, everybody's a teacher, everybody's an evangelist, everybody's a prophet, everybody's uh, an apostle um, because those gifts have been given to the church. But it does mean now that we're all called into ministry. And so there's not a, a uh, uh, you know there's, there's not like a hierarchy at least I don't believe in the church. So we're, we're in this thing together. Um, you know, at this point in, in time, uh, I, I'm called to be one of the pastors here, but but beyond being the pastor here, we're all called into ministry together, and we all do this stuff because we're the church, and you're the church when you're here, and you're the church and when you leave, and certainly I can't be everywhere, expected to do everything. We all are. We all do it, and then, you know, we sort of get here, and we assemble, and we teach through the week, and we do all the other things that we're doing, and we make sure you guys are okay. We're praying for you, and that's what the, you know, there's a group of folks here doing. But we're all in this thing. That's what we do until Jesus gets back. We're, we're out there declaring the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Living the life that He's called us to and doing the things that we're supposed to do. All right. But we're all called down to the priesthood. So let's read Leviticus 8. And uh, I'm reading out of the NIV. There's 36 verses. Fairly long chapter. Whatever translation you prefer is good with you. You can read that. Uh, eight, it's the NIV in your notes and that's what will show up overhead the Lord said to Moses bring Aaron and his sons their garments the anointing oil the bowl for the sin offering the two rams and the basket containing bread without yeast and gather the entire assembly at the entrance to the tent of meeting Moses did as the Lord commanded him and the assembly gathered at the entrance to the tent of meeting Moses said to the assembly, This is what the Lord has commanded to be done. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and washed them with water. He put the tunic on Aaron, tied the sash around him, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him. He also tied the ephod to him by its skillfully woven waistband, so it was fastened on him. He placed the breast piece on him and put the urim and the thuman in the breast piece. And then he placed the turban on Aaron's head and set the gold plate the sacred diadem on the front of it as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and everything in it and so consecrated them. He sprinkled some of the oil on the altar seven times, anointing the altar and all its utensils and the basin with its stand to consecrate them. He poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. And then he brought Aaron's sons forward, put tunics on them, tied sasses around them and put headbands on them as the Lord commanded Moses. He then presented the bull for the sin offering and Aaron and his sons laid their hand on his head. Moses slaughtered the bull and took some of the blood and with his finger he put it on all the horns of the altar to purify the altar. He poured out the rest of the blood on the base, at the base of the altar and so he consecrated it to make atonement for it. Moses also took all the fat around the inner parts, the covering of the liver and both kidneys and their fat and burned it on the altar. But the bull with its hide and its flesh and its offal uh, he burned up outside the camp as the Lord Commanded Moses. He then presented the ram for the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hand on its head. Then Moses slaughtered the ram and sprinkled the blood against the altar on all sides. He cut the ram into pieces and burned the head, the pieces, of, uh, and, the pieces, the pieces and the fat. He washed the inner parts and the legs with water and burned the whole ram on the altar as a burnt offering, a pleasing aroma, an offering made to the Lord by fire as the Lord commanded Moses. He then presented the other ram, the ram for the ordination, and Aaron and his sons laid their hand on his head. Moses slaughtered the ram, took some of its blood, and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Moses also brought Aaron's sons forward and put some of the blood on the lobes of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, on the toes of their right feet. Then he sprinkled blood against the altar on all sides. He took the fat, the fat tail, and all the fat around the inner parts, the covering of the liver, both kidneys and their fat, and the right thigh. And then from the brass basket of bread made without yeast, which was before the Lord he took a cake of bread, and one made with oil and a wafer, and he put these on the fat portions and on the right thigh. He put all these in the hand of Aaron and his sons, and waved them before the Lord as a wave offering." Then Moses took them from their hands and burned them on the altar on top of the burn offering as an ordination offering, a pleasing aroma, an offering made to the Lord by fire. He also took the breast Moses' share of the ordination ram and waved it before the Lord as a wave offering as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood from the altar and sprinkled them on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and their garments. So he consecrated Aaron and his garments and his sons and their garments. And Moses... Then said to Aaron and his sons, Cook the meat at the entrance to the tent of meeting and eat it there with the bread from the basket of ordination offerings, as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons are to eat it. Then burn up the rest of the meat and the bread. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting for seven days until the days of your ordination are completed, for your ordination will last seven days. What has been done today was commanded by the Lord to make atonement for you. You must stay at the entrance to the tent of meeting day and night for seven days and do what the Lord requires so you will not die. For that is what I have been commanded. So Aaron and his sons did everything the Lord commanded through Moses. Blessed be the word of the Lord. At some point there, I smiled because I was thinking about my own ordination service. It was a lot easier than that. <laughs> I, we just sat in a chair and some people prayed for me, and that was good. So, uh, so there you go. But there's a lot of stuff going on here, and how do we apply this stuff to our lives? Because we're not obviously doing all those things. Well, there's a lot of stuff. So ordination, the word that's there, means to be appointed by God to serve in the ministry of God. That's what it means to be in effect it means to be called, set apart, consecrated to the service of God. If you go back to 1 Peter 2.9, guess what? That's all of you. So all of us are called and set apart now as believers We're in effect the church is the ecclesia, which means the called out ones. That's, that's who we are. Alright? And so, um, and we all have ministry, we all have purpose, we all have things that we're called to be. And what you, the significant part in it all is that um, it's God who calls, it's God who sets apart, and it's God who consecrates people to serve Him. So the ministry is God's ministry, and therefore He has a right to determine who's going to serve in the ministry. So God calls, God ordains, as again, I read it in 1 Peter two nine. As a believer in Christ, that's what He's done with you. That's what He's done with us. So things have changed um, significantly from then to now. And there's eight things that I I saw in these verses that I think apply to us, and and uh, in our whole part of being set apart and called and part of the body of Christ. All the things that happened. And, uh, and so let's talk about those together. The first thing that you that you saw in the first five verses was this idea of being called um, to the ministry. And I read you that verse. We're, all, we're called to do that now. Um, and uh, He calls a perp- person. As we come to Christ, He calls us to serve. John 15, 15 and 16, Jesus said this, I, I no longer call you servants because a servant do- doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And then the Father will give you. We like that. Made me jump a little though. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So he's saying, you, you, he's, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And, and I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, which is what he tells his folks to go and do, to make a difference in the kingdom. So that's the first part. He chose you and he's uh, called you and set you a point and appointed you to go and bear fruit. So so the, the, the first thing you see is, is that there, there's this calling on all of us to live as the royal priesthood. Then in verse 6, um, the next thing that happens there was there was this washing in water. And Moses, who was God's mediator at the time, took the men to be ordained and he washed them in water. And it, this is important, I think, because it, you need to note it, it was the mediator. It was God's mediator who did the washing and the cleansing. And... Um, the, the being washed in water was a, was a symbol of their need to be spiritually cleansed and no person can cleanse themselves not spiritually not from sin only, only God's mediator can wash and cleanse a person uh, spiritually and um, this, is, this is really important because now what happens is it's, it's Jesus who washes us and who cleanses us from sin that's part of the reason being baptized is a, is a non-negotiable. It's, it's a picture of that process. Acts twenty two sixteen, And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, have your sins washed away, calling on His name. And again, in 1 John 1, 7, it says, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. So there's this picture of this, this washing that takes place and it's a picture of what happens to us in Christ how we are cleansed by Him and, and the symbolic picture of that is the baptism uh, that we're, we're to undergo in the process we're all to be baptized and it's also important to note that this happens um, this washing happens right before um, the priests are going to put on their, their holy garments and, and it's a picture of putting on the righteousness of God. And, and that's what we see in verses 7 through 9. It, uh, those verses are about clothing. And so they're putting on special clothing. And it's the clothing of... It's interesting. All this stuff was made in Exodus, you remember. It's the clothing uh, of the high priest. And um, this clothing symbolizes the, the righteousness uh, of Christ, the righteousness of God. And and so we just had a sermon about this. We just spent time. If you were here on, on a Sunday, I think it was last week. Uh, it might have been two weeks ago now. Um, but but we need to be covered in the righteousness of Jesus. And, and we talked about that. And so um, the, the high priest wore uh, uh, this this righteousness. And it's very similar to what's being described there, the, the breastpiece that he wore, to what we talked about with the breastplate of righteousness. And when we discussed that, I said, you know, it's so important that we're not putting on self-righteousness. We're being clothed in His righteousness. And that the difference, and, and I listed a lot of them, but the main difference is that the righteousness of God is relational. And, and it's, it's loving. Self-righteousness is never relational and it's never loving. It's completely the opposite. It's critical, it's mean, it's judgmental, and it separates people from God. And it you know, people that are acting in self-righteous ways are in effect saying that they're better than everybody else. And that's not what that's supposed to look like. The righteousness, particularly the way that Jesus displayed it, was, was amazing. And, I, and we went through on the message, uh, we could have picked any encounter, but we just looked at the encounter with the woman at the well. And, and a self-righteous person could have had any number of things he could have picked on to go after the woman at the well with. Um, because of her lifestyle, her reputation, the fact that she was there by herself um, you know, that, that, that all these things, and, and Jesus just loved on her, and actually said, you know what, God is looking for people like you to worship Him, shocking invitation that's made, but it, it's because that's what the righteousness of God looks like loves people in the relationship with Jesus, where then the process of change happens, remember, people at every end of the spectrum were drawn to jesus the, the 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 tax collectors and the sinners, the worst of the worst, they wanted to be with jesus and and he just being around him made them want to change and and the, the other end of the spectrum, even the self righteous people, although they kept saying they hated him, they kept wanting to hear what he was saying, and it impacted some of them and it 's because of of this righteousness that that he displayed all the time, and that 's the righteousness. That we're to walk in. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That verse, um, in case you didn't know, it's our our mission verse here at the church. Second Corinthians five, 2 Corinthians 5.21 That's why we do 5.21 all the time so that you remember that verse. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And as I said, righteousness is relational and, and it impacts people's lives and because of those impacted relational meetings, they want to come to know Jesus. So, so we're, we come to Him. He cleanses us from our sin and then we're to be clothed in His righteousness. And then the fourth thing that happens uh, in verses 10 through 13 was the anointing with oil. And um throughout Scripture you'll see that that people and places were anointed if they were to be consecrated to God with this oil and um, consecrated the service of God it was going to be anointed with oil and this oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit who anoints people for service and so um, we've talked about that here as a believer in Christ when you give your life to Christ when you come to Him we're justified, right? I said that when we first come to Christ, the the salvation, we're saved. We're justified. God chooses to see us in the perfection of His Son. That's an amazing thing. And then we're being saved. Sanctification happens. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. And so we're all filled with the Spirit and anointed by the Spirit to live this life that He's called us to, where as we yield to Him, He's changing us over the course of our lives and using all these things that are happening in our lives for the glory of God till the point in time that we're with Him when we will be saved, we'll be glorified. And uh, that's that's the big big deal because we get all new stuff. I'm pretty excited about that. And, And so justified, sanctified, glorified, sanctified the Holy Spirit. We've been anointed by the Spirit to live this life, full and abundant life, for Him. And when we figure out that this life that we're to live is for Him, then this life gets better for us. It's just the way it works because of who God is. So these things begin to happen. Romans 8, 14. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So children of God. So as we're led by Him, we follow Him we we get to experience the life that He has for us. So, So those four things were happening then. They happen to us now as we're being called into uh, ministry, the fifth thing that happened there in verses 14 through 17 was the the confessing of the forgiveness of sins. Now, we've talked about all of these different offerings, and now they're starting to put them into practice. And the the, the priesthood is going through it first, and, and um, so so Aaron and his sons do the the sacrifice of the sin offering. Now, remember when we talk to all of these sacrifices, all these offerings, these special offerings that we've read about in Leviticus, they're always a symbol of Jesus of His sacrificial death upon the cross and the way that He, you know, takes our sin. And when the guys are laying their hands on the head of these animals before they're killed, that's a picture of the, 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 their sin sort of being taken on by the sacrifice, which Jesus did for us. And there's two things that are happening in that for all of us to remember in this particular whole deal of the sin offering. Um, there's, there's two things. One one is that um, we, we need to uh, know that our sins are forgiven. That in Christ, Jesus has cleansed us from sin. Hebrews nine fourteen. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from accidently to death, so that we may serve the living God. So we have to understand... That in Christ we've been forgiven of sin. That's why I always tell you how important justification is. Why you need to know what it means. Be justified. Just as if I had not sinned. That our standing with God is that we're justified. He chooses to see us in the perfection of His Son. That's how we do this thing. We've been forgiven. Where we struggle is we know that we haven't arrived yet. Because we have issues. So we know we still make bad choices. And we still, you know do things that we shouldn't do. And so we, we, we think, well, how is that possible? He chooses to see the perfection of His Son, but the Holy Spirit is working on us now as we're being sanctified, and we're engaged in that process. So we have to know that we've been forgiven, and at the same time, we have to understand our constant need of forgiveness as we continue on, and that it's still made happen and possible by what Jesus does for us, and, and that um, He's continually cleansing us as we go. 1 John 1, 9 if we confess our sins, and in the Greek that word is, it actually is, if we continually confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means, even though we're already in standing with Him in the perfection of His Son as justified, we know that we're still at work in progress and we have the Holy Spirit who's helping us with that and we know that He continues to forgive us as we continue to turn to Him and get right with Him. So people sometimes struggle with this whole idea of confession. Let me just tell you that confessing your sin to God is not, every time you, it's not just going and saying, I'm sorry. People think that's confession. That's not. The, the word confess is actually a, a compound word in the Greek, homologeo, which means same word. And in effect, what happens is we continue on this journey when we know that we've done what we shouldn't have done. We go to God to confess and what we say is, same word. God, your way was right. My way was wrong. I should have done it your way. And I didn't. And he says, okay, I love you. You're forgiven. Now go and do the next right thing. Go and live it out the way you're supposed to. And it's in that process that we overcome these things. That's how he does it. He, he and, and he works with us. And there's some things, and it's wonderful. I think some things, you know, were... But when I came to Christ, he He did some neat stuff in me right away. Um, and, and so some things were like, changed. I was happy for that. But not all of it was. And I'm, I'm happy for that too. That's part of the process. But He still works on me. And there's still things that have to happen because I'm far from perfect. And, uh, and so, so I understand that I'm forgiven and that's cool. And that's my standing with God. I also understand my constant need of forgiveness in the battle. And that's what has to happen there in this journey. We have to know that. And that those things work. Alright. Sixth thing. 18 through 21. Um... And and there what they're doing is they're confessing the atonement of what happened. Remember atonement means the ransom um, that, that, you know, that happened through a substitute that was delivered on her behalf. And, and so the, the substitute takes place of the sinner and bears the punishment of God's judgment that was due the sinner. And so through, through the atonement then a person is set free from sin and it's punishment. He's acceptable to God justified to God, and that's happened. And so um, uh, the, the substitutionary sacrifice that we read about in Leviticus, it's a picture of Christ dying on the cross as our atonement, paying the price of ransom to set us free from sin and His punishment. So now we know not only does He choose to see us in the perfection of His Son, but for all the mess that we've ever done, Jesus paid the price. And and He's He's done that on our behalf. And so we get set free from that, that all that Guilt and the mess and everything that the enemy tries to put on us, but but uh, as part of this thing, we have to be able to confess that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. He's the substitute. He's the ransom. He's the one that set us free from sin and and punishment, and and that He has ransomed us so that we can live eternally with God. So we have to understand that in order to be, you know, effective in the ministry, we know how we got there. It wasn't by our works. wasn't by any good thing we've done. wasn't by any of that mess. It was all about what He's done and our understanding that and accepting that and believing that and receiving that in our lives. 1 Peter one eighteen through 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty ways of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So we get it we know we know that we know that we know that we were redeemed from that mess before we knew Christ into this life because of what Jesus has done and that's a part of our story and our confession and then the seventh thing in verses 22 through 32 is um, that we're to be dedicated to God We're, we're to set apart our lives for him we're to we're to just come before him and live for him the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12 1 and 2 therefore I urge you brothers In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so, um, we we come and that, that we're to live lives for Him. That's how we're supposed to do that. We're not trying to earn anything because He's already given us everything. It's a response. Because of what he's done, God, I want to live for you. That's how I want to live my life. And again, the amazing thing is when we live like that, that's when we find life. It's one of the paradoxes. He said if you really want to, if you want to find life, you got to lose it. So we have to give up our way and take his way. And his way was way better and is way better all along. Fascinating thing. And then there's that thing where they, where they take some of the blood and they, did you catch it? They, they anointed the lobe and the thumb and the toe. Uh, 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 on the right side, the right ear lobe, the right thumb and the right toe and um, it's a great picture of why um, the ear, we're to dedicate and set apart our, our ears to God we're to listen to the things that, that He wants us to listen to and we're to refrain from the things that we shouldn't listen to, that's like why we shouldn't engage in gossip and all those other things that happen we don't need to hear that mess and and we've, we've we understand that we're we've consecrated even what we hear to the Lord the thumb you know the we're, we're, to, we're supposed to live and in, 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 you know not um, get our hands involved in things that they shouldn't be involved in um, we're, to, we're to you know seek after the things of the Lord and, and our feet are to be set apart for him and um, we just talked about the shoes of Pete's and what it means you know and how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news that that you know th- this is all part of this calling, and it's a great sort of thing to remember that we've set apart our, our, what we hear, what we touch, where we go, all for the Lord. And then finally, verses 33 through 36, um, we have to understand what we've been called into and, and the purpose of our lives. So all this stuff has a point and a purpose and a meaning, and, and the meaning is that um, we're, to, we're to do the things He's called us to do. And and that we're to proclaim what Jesus has done to the world around us. Remember, I, 1 Peter two nine. I got right there when we started. You've been called into this to declare the praises of Him who brought you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Jesus said this in Matthew twenty eight nineteen and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So... Um, there from Leviticus chapter 8 are eight things that apply to our lives uh, as believers called to the royal priesthood and to be ministers to God and the things that that looks like. So there you go. And uh, and, and uh, I think it's very interesting how that happens. Neat stuff coming up next week and the following week as we continue to dig into Leviticus together. If you're watching by video, thanks for doing that. Love for you to come and visit. Um, and, and if you're at home watching, you've you, Got to miss the rain, so good for you. But uh, but, but hopefully we're going to catch a break so everybody can get in their cars here in a minute. So we'll see you soon. God bless you. All right, if you have prayer requests, pass them up to me.